0: Hi, this is Tom. I'm in Evil Lion. I'll start again. Yeah. <laughs> Evil
1: Lion! Evil <laughs> Lion! I'm Pat. I'm Pat. No, no, I'm Tom from Evil Nine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm start again. Hey, this is Tom from Evil Nine. And you're listening to Lowering the Tone with Meet Katie. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Lowering the Tone with me, Meet Katie. This time round, I have DJ, producer and world-class sound engineer Don Kane over for an interview. Uh, as always, that'll be at the back end of the show. Before we get started, I have a few people to give a shout to. Neil Kennedy, Lauren Gallagher, C.A. Hall, Phil Osterberry, Spyro Pope, John Clapton, Grant Gravel-Cowan. Dominique Debska. Reg Noodles, Jenny Jen, Louise O'Donnell, Jim McKenzie, Ryan McQuillan, and Jay Freefly. Thank you all for your support on Patreon. Let's get into this.
2: Back in the day, I had this roommate named K Alexi. But now he's known as DJ K Alexi. But back then he was just, you know, K. You know, K was kind of intense. You know, all all of us uh, went through kind of a Prince stage, you know, where we, you know, acted mysterious like Prince. Well, not so much me, but I think K was into that vibe a lot anyway, Kate lived in the basement and, you know, he could have lived upstairs, but I mean, you know, he wanted some place to, he, he called it the dungeon. And, uh, you know, that was kind of in that mysterious vibe, I guess, you know, women would come over and he said, let's go down to the dungeon. You know, he even had a girlfriend named Kat. Just like Prince did But I think I like Kay's cat better Because she would meow and stuff You know, she We'd be upstairs talking all the stuff. we hear meow From the dungeon Anyway Kay would Be on the phone sometimes Talking with his girlfriend He would always ask Are you coming over to kiss the dragon? I'm like, kiss the dragon, what's that? Because you hear brothers say a lot of things, but I've I never heard anybody say kiss the dragon. So say, hey, what's this kiss the dragon stuff? I mean, you know, what, what kind of weird stuff is that? Because you hear brothers say a lot of stuff, but you never hear anybody say, Kiss the Dragon. And Kay would say it all the time. Every day. Every day.
3: This is Meta. You're listening to Meet Katie's Lovering the Tomb podcast. You're waited,
0: listening to chicago loop on lowering the tone with meet katie
1: that you're listening to, there's an hour and a half live set from me, which was recorded at of Frog at the Lakota in Bristol. Many thanks to Jason, Geo and Man. If you head over to our Facebook group, it's just lowering the tone, you'll find all the relevant links. Right, onwards and upwards.
4: You're listening mid Katie on lowering the tone.
1: to this show head over to patreon.com forward slash lower the tone we also have a sister podcast called setting the tone which is available on the patreon page that's a q a based podcast where you ask all the questions and um, me and ben kind of muddle through talking of ben coder he'll be back next episode he'll be previewing his brand new debut album reboot reality which is forthcoming on lowering the tone in december
5: And prepare to enter club bag. It's a balloon filled with a gas called nitrous oxide, laughing gas, but this is no laughing matter. Camera's ready, prepare to flash. Was ready. Prepare to flash.
1: Left and then we'll get into that interview. Something brand new for myself and dopamine. This is dull. more shouts to give out. Michael Gooch, Katherine Allen, Fabian Pitchard, Tom Rayham, Alder DeLima, Chris Piazza, Nick Webb, Russell Cameron, Sarah Scientist, Andrew Cossens, Sam Warren, Tony Ramirez and Big Johnny Hunter. Thanks for your support guys. Again, if you're interested in this show, you can either go to loweringthetone.london or alternatively go to patreon.com forward slash loweringthetone. music you can catch me in Wuhan city in China on the 8th and 9th of December and then I'll be heading off to Australia after that as always if you want to support the show please share the links retweet like it make a comment do whatever you can on social media it's all really appreciated and we do notice it It let's get into that interview with Don Kane. Exclusive, right? I've got Don Kane from Kane Audio, Mousetrap, Warzone Records, many other places. You've kindly come all the way over to Sunny Surrey to do this. So thank you very much.
0: You're welcome. It's good to be here.
1: Yeah, I mean, where
0: where were you from? Wales. Yeah, so I grew up in West Wales, as you can probably tell by the (laughs) accent. Yeah. Um, And then I hated it as a teenager, wanted to get out, wanted to be in London because that was the place to be, Um, and then ended up sort of moving to Bristol. So as a late teenager, stayed there for a while and then lived all over since. Okay. Whereabouts in London did you live? It was actually uh, Buckinghamshire. Oh, okay. Yeah, nice.
1: Home counties, in it, is that what it's called? I don't know, I guess so. Yeah,
0: yeah, I I wasn't there that long. Yeah, uh, what was Bristol like? Uh, yeah, Bristol's good. It's Bristol's one of those cities, it's just got its own thing going on, and and it kind of doesn't really take any notice of other cities, which I like. Like, Mm. you know, you walk down the street and you've got people wearing all sorts of weird and wonderful things that you just wouldn't see outside of Bristol, yeah. Um, so culturally. I think it was good for me. I mean, I was there 99 to I don't know, 2005ish. Um so it was sort of peak I guess trance and progressive house right. were sort of parallels at the time, so the club scene was huge there. Um um we had a club called the Rock which is now the Academy, I think. Okay. Um yeah, and and again that was kind of Back in my day, um, <laughs> you had it was it was different because you 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 went to a club like the Rock because you knew it was a good night every Friday night. You didn't you yeah. weren't that was when you weren't really following names of people, you know. And it would be someone like Pete Tong or Seb Fontaine or right. Mara Piacato or whoever, but it kind of didn't matter. Right, you, know? yeah. you didn't go there for the name. You went there because it was a good night out. Yeah. Um,
1: do you do you play a um, Sorry, well, no, we do, we're jumping straight into like, <laughs> yeah, uh, let's go yeah, for it. Let's go, back. <laughs> let's go back into your history straight away. Um, Dom, you're, you're a producer, DJ. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, I, I've known your stuff for a long, long time, probably from when you first launched, when you sort of started getting some um, steam behind you. You know, obviously I've noticed you and I've been in touch with you for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shall we just um, talk about how how you kind of, how it kind of came about for you? well uh, and then we can talk about bristol yeah i I kind of i kind of
0: purposely (laughs) fell into the industry i suppose is is the way of putting it um so uh both my parents were incredibly musical uh growing up as a a weird kid um and uh i wasn't a normal kid put it that way okay um and uh, yeah, so I, I had obsessions and one of those is music. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so I had a habit of essentially borrowing my mum's cassettes of classical music and my dad's jazz collection. And I would literally just drag them into my bedroom and force them to listen to what I thought was an amazing key change or a crescendo to right. a track or Whatever And and, uh, apparently my sisters used to test me at the age of sort of four or five and just play the first few seconds of a concerto and I'd be able to name the composer and whatever else. So it was kind of in the blood from day one, really. Um, And in fact, like I said earlier, growing up in West Wales, I I hated that because it was the countryside and because I... I wanted to be in a city where all the cool stuff was happening, right. and uh yeah. And then by about eight or nine, I heard my first synth, and that just it, it blew my mind because I couldn't work out what it was up until that age. What sort of era was that? Uh Late eighties, okay. I that's suppose, a good, early nineties, maybe. Synthy, you know, yeah, it was. I mean, it, you know, it wasn't even. It, I, I don't think it was anything complicated. I think it was more. Probably, I don't even know, something like The Smiths or something. It right, wasn't, okay. you know, it wasn't yeah, like it was full on. Mode or, it wasn't like work right. or something like that. But um, I just remember hearing this sound. And up until that point in my life, I'd, I knew classical, jazz, right. pop, funk, soul, whatever. Um, and so I knew a limited amount of instruments. And I remember hearing this sound going, that's not a violin. That's not a piano. That's not a guitar. That's yeah. not drums. What the hell is making that noise? Um, and yeah, and that was kind of the, the beginning of my life, I suppose. Oh, right. I've just yeah. spent the rest the of my discovery. life doing that basically. Wow. So, um, do you, do you,
1: what's your, what's your <clears throat> instrument of choice? Do you, you, do you play? Uh, no, no I don't. I, I,
0: as a kid, I dabbled with piano, violin, trumpet, uh, drums they all sort of varied from grade one two to grade four five something right. like that so it was never I was never a proficient player of anything um and I think that was just my my lack of patience because right. I wanted to be good at something but I didn't want to learn it basically <laughs> right. uh, being a kid <laughs> being a kid. um so yeah so I suppose I mean really now my instrument of choice is going to be the synth or, yeah or if anything maybe a modular synth um yeah but, um, yeah, so that kind of led on to me moving to Bristol. Um, and then it, it, before then I'd, I'd sort of, I bought my first decks when I was probably 14. Okay.
1: Um, how old do you know?
0: I'm 36 in a couple of months. Okay. Um, and yeah, and that sort of came about, I grew up in a poor family as well, which didn't help. There were six kids, so
3: mm.
0: no money. Um, so I remember one summer I'd sort of decided right I'm going to I'm going to buy some decks uh, some friends of mine had some they were going to go up for sale for 100 pounds and so I spent all summer cleaning the neighbors cars and trimming hedges and <laughs> earning a few quid here and a few quid there and finally got my first pair of decks they were uh, sound lab rt12ds they were
1: i remember the sound labs. the
0: worst things yeah. ever they were sunk into a plank of wood <laughs> right? and that plank of wood had a crossfader and that was your mixer basically no yeah they were terrible but obviously i loved them yeah and um yeah so then by the time i got to bristol so it, it all started coming into play by then anyway Obviously being an avid clubber at the time, I would go to the clubs, meet the promoters, talk to other people who were DJs. We sort of decided let's put on our own night and we started dabbling with yeah. that. Um, and yeah, I guess one thing sort of led to another. I'd, I'd always sort of been producing as well on because yeah. being a, a, a geeky kid, right. I was sort of into computers and programming and... Um, like I'd I'd spend every weekend looking at the local free ads paper and yeah. sort of finding bands who'd split up and 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 they might have a broken amp or something. I'd look, bits, i be like, I can fix that amp. Yeah. I can do it. So um, yeah, I don't think my mum knew I was playing with like 240 volts, but uh, <laughs> I don't think she'd have been too pleased with that. Right? right. Um, yeah. So it all kind of just it, 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 my whole career really has been a slow burner throughout. Right. You know. Um, I sort of look back sometimes at my own biography and
1: think, "Geez, have I done all that?" You know, fifteen-year overnight success. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Yeah,
0: um, but it's just been such a slow burner that I haven't really sort of noticed it. Right. Um, so, yeah,
1: what kind of grabbed you first, a DJ or a production? I, do you know?
0: What? I get asked this, and I, I, I always wanted to be a producer first and foremost. I, as a kid, my dream was to become known as a producer and then to, to, to to perform. Yeah. 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 Um, but I think in reality, I probably got known as a DJ first because again, being a nerd, this was the era where the internet was a new thing. Mm. And, um, so I ended up, um, putting some mixes together and, sending them off to some online radio station that eventually became Proton Radio. Okay. So because I was sort of on the front wave of all of that, um, and then again with my productions, I I remember uh, a friend of mine going, oh, there's a a friend of a friend is building an online shop for MP3s. I was like, oh, I'm I'm all in that. Uh, Turned out to be Beatport. Um, No way. So, um, yeah, so I sort of got on the the first wave of that. And so off the back of... Proton Radio, that kind of got quite a good global listener level at the time, and and right. if you were into dance yeah, music, is. you know, especially yeah. somewhere like, but they were Russia one of the first, weren't they? Serbia. They really were one of the first. Time. <laughs> they were, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think there were a few others, but, yeah, but that but was Proton, really one that was so specialist yeah. and and professional. I suppose they knew what they were doing.
1: Well, I went you know? to I went to Miami one year and they had a Proton party, and I remember it just being. Absolutely mobbed, really? and that was yeah. the first time I'd ever heard of them. I, I, I right, you know, okay. I'd, I'd kind of heard whispers about this like online radio, yeah, sort of, yeah. And um, but I went to their party, and I realized how many people there were, and they didn't have any particularly big names. They just had like no. residents that were playing regularly. Yeah, the place yeah. was mobbed.
0: As far as I'm aware, they're they're still doing well, exactly yeah, that, re- releasing
1: know. some progressive house. I've noticed. Someone recently released an uh, an album. It. it might be James okay. Monroe, actually. It right, okay. might be. I might be getting, yeah. might be I've,
0: I've put getting this a, wrong, but I, I did an EP for them actually, many many years it seems ago. Still right, yeah. you know.
1: Yeah, you yeah. know. Sort of, that, like like you said, they 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 they've been around. They've probably got a good following, got a good listenership, and yeah, you know, they've yeah. got some fans.
0: Yeah, and I think they, you know, they found a niche market and they stuck to it. And I think yeah. you know, fair play to them for that. So, yeah, so that was kind of how my career took off, I suppose. Um, So I sort of did the whole Bristol circuit. um, And before I knew it, I had a a phone call from a guy, uh, Max, who is still my Russian booking agent. Um, And he had heard my Proton Radio show. and, And because at the time I was kind of flipping between breaks and progressive, I suppose it was kind of, it was one thing back yeah. then. Um, and yeah, I got a call from him saying, do you want to come over and play in Russia in December? And I was like, yeah, I'll do that. So went over and had my first Russian experience. And um, yeah, and then about three weeks later, I had a call from someone in Majorca. Um, So I went and played Tito's there and it just kind of took off all of a sudden. It was a bit weird, really. Um, but I, I put that down to the fact that I had... But at that point, probably three online radio shows that were all yeah. specialist dance music. So I kind of figured, well, anyone who's into dance music anywhere can just tune into that. Yeah. So it kind of gave you, it just moved from the sort of local radio exposure to suddenly getting global exposure. Yeah, It's a bit yeah. of a weird thing. But
1: So was Russia your first foreign show? I think it probably was. What well, a culture shock. It's yeah. Your first gig abroad. <laughs> oh,
0: man. I got wasted my first gig. <laughs> the thing is, is I, I'm, I'm sure you well know you've been a few times. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 It, you know, anyone who hasn't been there, the, the, essentially, the first rule of going to Russia is don't drink the vodka because the moment you do that, someone will go, let's have another one. You're in. Let's have another <laughs> one. Yeah. And, you know, and they all talk about, uh, the Russian tradition and it's good for your health. Man, <laughs> 15 vodkas in and they're going, come on, one yeah. more, it's good for your health. And, and it just
1: takes a little, it doesn't hit oh, you straight away. No, that's it. it that's j- it. It's, it's about and yeah, an hour or so later,
0: yeah. and you just black out. Oh, um yeah. yeah. So my first, my first, I think it was, I'm I'm pretty damn sure that was my first international gig. Um and it was can't remember the name of the city, but it was it was sort of down south of Russia, um, middle of nowhere. It was like minus twenty, something like that. I, being the idiot, sort of took on. Well, it's going to be cold, but I'll just wear a coat and a t-shirt, and I'll be fine. Didn't quite sort of take into yeah. account what minus twenty feels like. It's um, cold up <clears throat> yeah, and um, so I had I had two gigs that weekend. So I did the Friday night at Orenburg. There we go. That's right. where it was. And um, that was in like a, a weird venue. They'd had it. It was obviously a club, but it had a boxing ring in the middle of the the room, really? and a sort of three sixty degree balcony above the boxing ring. Um, And I had to give a press conference. Yeah, that was the weirdest bit. I was just like, like, about four hours before the actual gig, they sort of drive you in in a limousine, and I remember thinking this is way over the top. What, why am I in a limousine? This is just bananas. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I, I remember I, like, or having the door opened of the limousine and me sort of not really taking in what was going on and my foot touching the floor. And all of a sudden, loads of camera flashes go off and it's the press... And I'm thinking, do they think I'm someone else? Like, (laughs) have they got the wrong person here? You know, I was really weirded out by it. And then I sort of got escorted into the building and we sat on this big long table and all of these translators and people and whatever, basically, yeah. yeah, Then these journalists are asking, yeah. (laughs) And you're just trying to decide, trying to sort of decipher the English of the translator because their translation is rubbish. And, uh. Yeah, I was just completely freaked out. I was sort of rabbit in the headlights, basically. I was just like, oh, what the hell is going
1: on? Um, but the gig went well. Yeah. I enjoyed yeah. it. I mean, Russians are out the party, that's for sure.
0: Oh, God, yeah. 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 They don't don't what, they just.
1: What I noticed about Russia is that they tend to stay out late. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. But, um, you know, I've, I've played parties in, in like, UFA and, like, real remote parties, and mm. they've been on, like, Sunday evenings. Yeah, yeah. And they go on until really late. People just lose their shit. Yeah. I mean, it's another world. It's, yeah. just, it's like the Wild East, isn't it? Yeah, really? yeah. It well, still is. Well, well, well
0: that, first, that first gig there, actually. So I did the Friday night there, and then the Saturday night. So I had barely any sleep then because I'd, I'd just drank way too much and, and was on the verge of blacking out. Then I got up back on a plane and had a couple of hours kept there, then landed in Moscow and and actually met Max for the first time. Right. Um, And I think he took me back to the office. There was a... Some sort of promo site called uh, nightparty.ru. I don't know if okay. that's still going, but that was like right. a really big, right. I suppose, equivalent to Facebook today, but it was a big right. Russian okay. clubber's guide sort right. of thing. Or uh, don'tstayin.com. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, I remember don'tstayin. So it's, it was like yeah, the Russian sort of, yeah. equivalent of that, I suppose. Um, yeah, so ended up meeting loads of people and whatever over there and then playing the gig. And then we went to an after party and played <laughs> there as well. And it must have been about two in the afternoon now on yeah. Sunday when Max went, got to go, got to go to the airport. Mm. And I was like, oh, shit, yeah, I forgot about that. And <laughs> yeah. then I had to fly home. And, and uh, I was living in Bournemouth at the time and uh, I had to ring up my flatmate because I'd missed a train and right. he had to pick me up from Southampton. And, uh, yeah, and I just remember getting in his car and just my whole body just went, <laughs> boom, done, just complete collapse. Yeah. I was like, oh, God, it's over now. And then I had to get my mate to pull over so I could puke in a yeah. hedge. It's just like it's just the weekend exhausting. catches up on yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that was that was my introduction to international DJing.
1: Oh, I mean, it's difficult. <laughs> I'd like to say that even after a good twenty years DJing, it's like I know I shouldn't do that. but yeah. yeah. I never learn. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and well, I have a good weekend. Uh, you know, a good weekend presents itself, and if the planets align, you just do that again. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, that's it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, back in those days, I was a partier myself. So I was into the party drugs and whatever. Um, and I think after my sort of first international gig was when I realized I can't do both. That's that's not going to work, no. you know? Um, and then I think, you know, the following sort of few years, I still ended up sort of drinking at gigs and whatever, mm. but for the last seven or eight years I I just don't drink anymore. Yes, yeah. yeah. You've given up drinking. Yeah, it's pointless.
1: Do you drink at all or or not? Um, not when I, you
0: perform? So I don't say I'm teetotal because I think that's an entirely different thing. Mm. It's more that I actually just don't drink. That's um I, I I I have had a drink I think at the beginning of this year. I think. I mean, uh, I yeah, I think, like I think two days ago. <laughs> I think. I think January was probably the last
1: time. Why wow. it? It's October now. Good yeah. luck, Great. Good, good on you. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, some people function very, very well without drinking, and yeah. some people ever. You know, I, I know that I can get better out of myself if I don't drink. Yeah, but I just choose to but, drink. but getting to
0: that step, I think, is a hard bit, isn't it? Yeah, I, and I think that's that's you know, I mean. Christ, we I think we've both probably known a lot of DJs who've sort of lost their way it's easily um, done. you know especially when your career is starting to take off and you're doing the whole circuit and especially I've got to be honest the London circuit is pretty bad for it
1: um, yeah it's it I don't the fit thing is because I live so close mm. I, I mean I'm like half an hour to say from fabric that I used yeah. to be a resident at. Um I found myself driving and I never drink when I drive. Okay. Yeah. And that yeah. was my way of stopping myself Good from way of doing yeah, it. yeah. Because I yeah. I've never I I've I never even think, well I'll have one. I, I just think what's the point? Yeah. What's yeah. the point of having one? Yeah. So I, I wouldn't drink if I if I drove. So London's actually all right for me because I drive. Yeah so I actually yeah. drank less that makes sense than, than yeah. being yeah. in like San Francisco. Where I'm like, well, I got. I don't that's have true. to get you've up got a, my, hotel. Yeah. Got a hotel. I got hotel. I don't yeah. have to get up on Monday morning. I've got no. nothing to do. But you know, like yeah, as long yeah. as someone gets me back to the hotel, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the, I mean, it's the opposite for me. But I guess if you're coming in from Wales and you've got a hotel, you, you're, you, it's right. going to be that thing of like, well, why not? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. actually, the opposite for me living so close. Yeah.
0: And actually, when I was living fairly close to London. um, it, it was only a train ride away as well, so it was yeah. quite easy to stay out all night. Like when I was resident at uh, ministry, uh, the tube would stop at whatever time yeah. it stopped. And was it one or two, something like that? Yeah, but, yeah. But but, but I wasn't playing yeah. until then anyway. So one I'd then I'd at then five stay. Yeah. So yeah. then I'd stay back till about seven, eight o'clock yeah. in the morning. Just and and on. you just think, well, I got free drinks, you know, have a few beers after my set. And then you'd end up sort of stumbling onto a train at yeah. nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah. With yeah.
1: thousands of other people.
0: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Desperately trying not to fall asleep and miss your stop.
1: Um, <laughs> talking of ministry. It's, yeah. um, it's, you know, I used to, I, I've, I was never, I've never ever played at ministry in London. Have you not? No, nope. I've been, I, I used to do a radio show there. Okay. Um, Like a weekly show for a while. And then it broke down to a month cause I couldn't keep it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um so I mean I know that I know the club I've been there loads of times seen other DJs played there. Mm. Um I thought it was an amazing amazing space and it was when it first came around it was way above and way ahead of its time oh, compared to doubt. anything without else yeah, in yeah, London. Yeah. Um how how did you find it you
0: exactly know? that to be honest and and uh, don't get me wrong I haven't been there for a good few years so I don't know what it's like you now. I, I can only assume it, it hasn't changed really, but what has changed is everything else around it. And I think that's probably the difference mm. is that, you know, man, I, I really hate to come across as the moaning old man, but, but <laughs> oh, do I, I think that's what I am, <laughs> you know. Um, back in my day, um, I don't know – I think culturally, the, the whole music industry, not just dance music, but but all music, the industry has changed. In fact, society has changed. In the last 10 years alone, we've gone from this idea of where somebody can be respected for a gift or a talent or some sort of output. Um, it was, yeah, I would say literally 10 years ago, that was the standard. Whereas now people are respected. For just being known. Yeah, for famous and and, and and famous for being yeah, famous. And that's a world I don't want to be a part of and, and have, have actually, you know, consciously chosen not to be an active part of. And um which is why I'm now barely DJing, because I don't want to be a part of a society that just puts a price on being known. It's not, yeah. you know, it's the whole being famous for the sake of being famous thing and there's a lot um, of pin up
1: DJs.
0: Yeah, and I, I know there was twenty years ago. You know, if you look at Pete Tong, but but uh, and Judge Jules, and you know they were sort of the celebrities, and Danny Tenaglia. I remember him. You know, uh, when his prices went up to oh, something like a hundred grand or something, and and everyone was just like, mm. "What? That's just insane." Whereas now hundred grand is not a big deal to the guys at the top, you know. No, no. If you look at people like Avicii or, or no, even my yeah. label boss Deadmau, you know, yeah. they're earning astronomical figures, and 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 so few of them. And I and I will point this out as well. Deadmau, I, I realise he's a, a, a controversial point in in most corners, but nobody can take away the fact that he is spending almost as much as he's earning on his live show and putting together these yeah. cubes and these big things that that make it a stage show. And then you've got people like, I don't know, again, I've sort of, I'm sure we'll cover this later on as well, where I, I've switched off to the industry the last five years or so. Um, and you've got people like, so I'll say Avicii. Um, I did hear the other day, apparently he's not a thing anymore. Um, but he was charging sort of a couple of hundred grand a gig and doing exactly fuck all with it mm. you know putting his hands in the air and playing a CD that was yeah, basically Paul
1: Oakenfold's another example of that yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, well, it, although
0: I think he tried didn't he he did that whole orchestra trance he thing tried. And, you know <laughs> he, he gets he, points he, for trying yeah he went to LA and I think he scored a couple of films yeah, or something like a multi-million pound yeah, DJ where you're going oh, he tries <laughs> yeah that's it but I think he was an original talent, and to be fair he to was him, there. he was at least there before. Yeah, he was DJs definitely there at the beginning. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So I think he just probably struggled with, oh, shit, I'm famous now. Now I need to do more than just DJing. Yeah. And, and, and I think he, that was a struggle.
1: Didn't he produce a Happy Mondays yeah, he did. album or something? Yes. Or, yeah. He was there with. I believe Whatever it was be Flood, I think it was, I don't know, I don't know yeah, the names. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was a guy called Flood and um, I believe he he kind of brought the sort of, because uh, Weverall done Screamer Delica and Oakenfold done Happy Mondays. Okay. Yeah. And that's kind yeah. of when uh, the crossover of DJs moving into like the sort of realms of alternative music and the pop yeah. world, really. Because yeah. I, I know yeah. that they're cool pop bands, but they're still pop bands.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, dragging that back to the original yeah, question sorry. of <laughs> ministry. Um, so, again, back then, you know, Steve Angelo was. I mean, in my eyes, at that point in time, we're talking what two thousand five ish, six maybe. Yeah. Uh, he was an absolute god of a DJ. He was insane. He'd do, he had rave house. He did, yeah. He's and an, an arrogant he, he, cunt though, honestly. He, he did. I, I never actually <laughs> spoke I mean, I spoke to him briefly a couple oh, of times, but not well enough to know it's him. It's nauseating um, but how but arrogant he is. Really? Yeah. Is that in recent times? Because uh, I know back then he seemed is, to be cool as a cucumber.
1: probably about eight years ago. I met him, and so I literally. Went, right, yeah. So that would have been where asshole. he was probably
0: peaking. I, <laughs> I said to, yeah. her, I
1: said to, her, I was actually said this on the show before. I was, I got introduced to him by um his manager. Okay, and she said, "Oh, this smart kay in." I said, "Oh hi," and at that time he was, I like, I do agree with you. He was absolutely on fire. Well, he was doing, he was doing. So
0: he did the size night in ministry. And he was doing a six or eight hour set there. And man, it just, it just yeah, boiled the, the crowd yeah. into a frenzy, you know, yeah, just like seven o'clock in the morning or whatever time on. it was. Yeah, it was just this pounding filth at 7am and and nobody leave that room. You know, it was just mm. one of those things that the Steve Angelo night, every time I was playing in like room two and I could see. Steve Angelo was room one I'd be like right I'm going to do my set I'm going to go straight into room one and watch it for the rest of the night Mm. and I did every single month or however often it was (laughs) Um, and it was just yeah you're just watching this crowd getting boiled into a frenzy it was insane I I mean
1: the night I met him he played a really good set Mm. and I'll get introduced to him and um, and he's uh, (laughs) a I said, oh, look, I think, you know, this was, I mean, he was doing well. He wasn't, he wasn't the superstar he is now Mm. by a long shot. So I said, oh, I think what you're doing is like the future of house music. And he looked at me and he went, yeah, I know. (laughs) Then he just, he turned his back at me. And so literally the back of his head was facing me.
0: That's like, that's like when you say to a, 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 you know, a little four year old. Oh, aren't you cute? Or oh you're yeah. beautiful, you are. And they just go, Yeah, I know. Yeah. Because that's all they've been well, told all I their mean, life. His manager,
1: you know. she said, she said to me, he's always like that. I don't know. are joking. She goes, Yeah, a lot of people don't like him. Jesus. <laughs> but she he done it right in front of his manager. <laughs> and he kind of embarrassed her. Yeah. Because she yeah. was like, oh, You know, this is Mark, you know, it just went like, who cares? But yeah, I mean, that was, and then obviously I've met other people, you know, you know, you know how it goes. It's like you, you recount these stories of all you know, and then all of a sudden you hear more negative stories. Well, yeah, this is, uh, and I think that that's kind of the, the the crux of what
0: I'm trying to say about ministry, if you remember. Yeah. Um, (laughs) No, it's fine. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I've got a habit of just going off on a tangent. Um, so, yeah, I think, But again, sort of comparing the the Bristol days where you'd you'd go to a night out because the night was what you went to. Yeah. You didn't go there yeah, yeah. to see a specific DJ, although that was an option. You went there to the night because the night you just knew that promoter was guaranteed to get a, an amazing DJ, yeah. whether you'd heard of him or not. You know, that was just what
1: it was. You just trust them.
0: Yeah. And I think society as a whole has changed now over the last sort of 10, 15 years to the point where now – if you want to put on a successful night as a promoter, or at least their understanding of it is you now need to book someone famous. It doesn't matter if they're good or not, right? you yeah. know? So I, uh, again, I've switched off to the world for the last five years. So I, I I don't know who is famous and who isn't. Um, But, you know, somebody off one of the reality, Essex, Chelsea, whatever other mm. reality shows, you know, the number of times I see someone on Facebook going, oh, so-and-so is a, f- dj now and whatever and and i just think well you know that's because they're gonna get bookings aren't they yeah. do, you know it doesn't matter if they can make it. look at paris hilton you know <laughs> and you know she's getting bookings left right and center well, because she's yeah. famous it's got nothing to do with yeah. oh she's a skilled musician therefore whatever it's because it's bums on seats you know? yeah I, and i and you know that that brings me on to the whole capitalist thing then, doesn't it is that's capitalism through yeah. and through you yeah. know that's how it works that's what we've asked for as a society
1: well I've always found it mad that like clubs will pay a celebrity just to come to their club I know I this know it's beyond me yeah I, I I did a I did a gig again
0: back in the day in where was it, it was Cheltenham I think some dingy little club there that was obviously trying to be glitzy and it was trying to be you know uh, some cool funky bar and it just felt horrible um and it was I I think it was just after the smoking ban had come in as well so the place just reeked um And you know, all you could smell was just cheesy feet and sweaty yeah. pits. Do you remember that yeah, point that, where like they hadn't quite got the refurb yet? Yeah. So it just stunk. Yeah. Um, and
1: also smoke used to kind of mask the smell that's of sweat. Yeah, no, exactly. And I mean, I'm a, I'm a smoker, so I, yeah. you know, I
0: had no problem with with the smoke, obviously. But, um, but yeah, you're right. But yeah, as soon as you stopped, removed the smoke, everything just reeked. Yeah. I remember going to uh, uh, funny enough, here's a name drop, Nick Fanchuli's birthday party. Okay. Um Know, and yeah. that was just after the uh, uh, smoking ban in, um, is it the loft in Maidstone? Hey, Maidstone, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: that's their, that's their thing. That's what they used yeah, to do. Yeah, yeah, didn't yeah. yeah.
0: The, the whole Maidstone massive. So I, I went to Nick's birthday party there. I think it was. I don't even know. Do, do you know? Actually. Do you know those guys?
1: Do you know Mark Fantuzzi? Um, brother, I, have spoken to him a few
0: times. I've not. I, I wouldn't say oh, I know. Right, yeah. I'm sure he check, doesn't check know his me. his music out, right, Really okay. good. Yeah. yeah, Sorry, yeah. Just uh, yeah. sorry to interrupt you. It's
1: just that. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I haven't heard that name for a while. Yeah.
0: Um. So yeah. So. Th- th- that was kind of, I, I don't even know how that relates to ministry anymore. <laughs> oh, that was it. Yeah. So we're talking about society. Yeah. And they book famous yeah. people. So I did this yeah. this gig. And I, again, I don't remember who it was, but there was someone famous. I'm going to say, and this is wrong, but I'm going to say like nasty Nick off Big Brother. Or, right, do you know really? what I mean? It was something like that was advertised under my <laughs> name. And I remember sort of getting sent the flyer going, what is he DJing? What, yeah, yeah. How's that going to work? You know, uh, is like... What's he playing? Is he going to warm up for me, or am I warming up for him, what or, or yeah. what? You know, what's going on? And uh, and I got there. <laughs> the The local residents were playing electro at like 136 BPM, uh, and that was my warm up. Uh, and at some point, midway through my set, which was probably sort of one in the morning. I'm going to say Nasty Nick. It wasn't Nasty Nick. It was someone equivalent yeah, yeah. to whoever was Somebody at the time. Some Yeah, someone <laughs> that I just don't give a shit about walked into the room. Everyone cleared the dance floor and fucked right off into the corner to crowd over that person. And I was kind of stood there going, oh, right. Well, what is I guess this is a thing now. Yeah. You know, it always annoyed me having, uh, naked women on the dance floor, like like, like the stage dancers, you know, like Russia, it's a big thing. I've had a few
1: naked ones, but, but they're just people. It
0: winds me up, winds me up because the problem is, is it's, it's always mid set and, and having come from sort of progressive house roots, it's all about finding that groove and slowly building it up. Yeah. And and midway through a set, you'll have 10 naked or semi clad girls on a stage and you'll look at the dance floor to try and gauge reactions to the music, and you think, "Oh shit, no one's dancing." But they stopped they're dancing. stood there yeah, ogling the women. But this and, is it, and they've forgotten that there's some music playing. They've forgotten they're in a nightclub. That's club. the
1: problem of when when it kind of loses the the sort of momentum of being a club, yeah. And sort of it takes over just being a show. Yes, yeah, just entertainment, yeah. then,
0: isn't it? You know. And I always felt in those situations, well, why'd you book me? Why don't you just get a circus clown? You know, which I know DJs, and and I know a lot of people will disagree with this, but to me, DJs are essentially circus clowns. You know, we're we're paid entertainers (laughs) these days, aren't we? Well, yeah. You know, that's essentially what we're doing. Let's be honest. We all try and clutch at straws. We all try and go, oh, yeah, but it's all about the thought process that goes into the playlist. and It's really not. It's about banging out tunes. And it's about making people dance. Yeah, Yeah, that's it, you know. There's, there's there's only a limited amount of thought you can really put into DJing. And that's my view. And anyway. right, yeah, yeah, um. I, and also you can.
1: <laughs> it's it's difficult because you you arrive at a show and you you also it's what you inherit. Yeah. What comes before you can almost dictate where you go. Absolutely. To, yeah, to a certain yeah, extent. Yeah. Like you're saying, if someone's absolutely smashing the living shit out of it, yeah, yeah. You can't just bring it down to nothing because yeah. you just lose the momentum that they've built. So no. you you have to, the transition is important. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I remember going to see uh uh Sander Kleinenberg in ministry, and obviously he's famed for his or was at the time especially the the, the deep ploddy mm. progressive house that was really sort of had a bit of a tribal edge to it yeah um and i can't remember who was on before him it was someone but and it, and i think it was a quite a well-known name but not huge yeah. clearly warming up for sander Kleinenberg, um and it was obviously just a wrong booking because uh sander sort of leant over before his set going how the fuck am i going to carry on from this because it was at like 132 bpm and really it was really quite heavy um and sander was sort of renowned at starting at like 126 and then working his yeah. way up and he'd spend the two hours sort of building it up um and i remember he was really having a bit of a tantrum about it and rightly so because because he was the big name at the time and uh, and he was just sort of stood there going, "I'm just there's nothing I can do other than backspin out of the last guy's yeah, record just start and just start all over again." And now yeah. I've got to spend two hours essentially warming up for the next guy.
1: Yeah, um, it's a difficult one. I don't, one I struggle with the most is drum and bass, following drum and bass. That's been always Have been it, a bit. Of, is
0: that a thing? Do you a, do
1: that? That's been a pet hate of mine when they programmed someone playing drum and bass before me. Uh, why? But whoa! Festivals. Festivals. I festivals oh right. Oh, okay. You know. Um, yeah, I you suppose know the, that's a bit different. The, the, the lineups but, are kind of. But festivals are. Uh, I know. I know. I mean,
0: they're they're about just banging it out. Aren't yeah. They? Yeah. You know. I, I, in fact, they're good examples. The year I met you at uh, Boomtown. Boomtown. Uh, we went to see Madness. I saw this Yeah, And I lied to it. You didn't like it. I couldn't stand it because they were doing all their new stuff. Well, and I just thought if you're booked for a festival and you're a headline act like Madness, people aren't buying tickets to the festival just to see Madness. So the only reason they're going to see Madness is because they know the name and they want the classics. And I kind of felt like Ninety percent of their set list was was stuff I'd never heard of. No, they didn't do baggy trousers. Yeah, they did. did they? Yeah. Well, um, I missed that. I,
1: I only saw the end of their set.
0: Ah, now that's and, the bit that they did. The and classics. I bet
1: you left.
0: I yeah, because I'd left <laughs> because I did wait, the because the first what it, let's call it an hour set. Yeah. the first half an hour. Was just solidly new music, and I was sort of stood there going, "Where's the classics?" And then, wow. and then
1: I heard like one classic
0: as we were leaving, and I was like, oh, "I bet they've just saved
1: the last you see, few." The, the so. thing is, is, if they came on and played all their classics, then start playing all the new stuff, everyone'll leave. Yeah, but don't so play the new stuff. Yeah, but, like, yeah but, that, but, you're, at, you're at a festival, like save
0: that for the, the Madness Stadium tour because they're paying whatever fifty quid a ticket purely for Madness. They are the Madness fans in a festival. It's not, a, you know, Boomtown wasn't full of Madness fans. No, it's there, a lot
1: of people. A there, lot
0: of, oh, God, yeah, it was crammed. But a lot of people like myself who I wouldn't say I'm a Madness fan. I wouldn't go and see him on tour uh, unless I had a free ticket. And then I'd be like, yeah, why not? But, but I'm not going to pay 60 quid to go and see Madness. Whereas... A festival that Madness are playing at, I would go, Yeah, I'll go check out Madness. Oh, you see, Do you I, know what I mean? No, I probably, think you're playing
1: to your wrong crowd. Well, then. you watched the first part yeah. and I just caught the second part because I was mm. like, that was awesome. And you were like, that was awful. For <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, what? Yeah, yeah. They ended on night boat to Cairo. Okay. And the place just was an absolute mosh pit. It was yeah. a
0: it's a nice I like Boomtown. That's a great stage, that one as well. It's yeah, Lions Dem, it's got a it? bowl. Isn't stage, it? It's like man. a big bowl yeah, into yeah. the stage, and you yeah. can sort
1: of see the stage from anywhere around. Yeah. It's, um did, did you like Boomtown? Loved it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been two or three times now. Right. Um, cracking, not it? What a festival! What a festival! I, I, there's nothing like it out there. You it's know, bonkers in it. Yeah, I mean the the. the the years they had Arcadia and they they lost Arcadia, didn't yeah. they, because of the noise. Or didn't know There's was a money issue apparently. Oh, I'm totally goss. Well, I heard, oh, well, and I, I think this is probably the official line <laughs> right. that they're towing, What did you, was heard that you There what were heard? there were noise complaints, and the organisers told Arcadia, "Look, you, you're running a bit too loud." Um, you're going to have to turn it down. And Arcadia basically went, no, we're Arcadia. We play as loud as we can. That's what I heard, oh. um,
1: whether that's true or not. Go what's your gossip? I, I heard <laughs> that, um, that when they started doing it, they would, they Arcadia wasn't such a big thing. Right, yeah. And the money never really got adjusted uh, every year. Now, that wouldn't and then, surprise it got, me. then it got to the point where Arcadia was actually a, a, a big... Um, Draw to the festival. Well, it was, and, yeah, yeah, and they were yeah. like one of them. They were the main stage, it was, really, yeah, yeah. So, um, and they couldn't agree on the financial, right, issue. Okay. But that, I mean, who knows? Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, I mean, that, it, either one would make sense. Yeah, I think Arcadia kind of started out with Boomtown. I think, I think they were part of that whole. Yeah, I,
0: I, I think it's a Bristol thing. Yeah, actually, yeah isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a
1: messy festival. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it was like I was saying to you before we yeah, started Bristol's. recording about Bristol. You know, it's 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 a messy place and full of temptations. Absolutely. Um, and it has its own unique culture, and I think you know, Boomtown is is probably evidence of that. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, um, it you know, when they do their their winter parties in Lakota and stuff. Yeah. Um, and Motion is the other venue Motion. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just brilliant. It's mm. so good. Uh, you know, I, I, and, and as much as I don't go clubbing, I'm not a, a social person right. necessarily, but, um, but the boomtown things I do sometimes go to just as a consumer. Cause I'm just like, you yeah, know what, that's yeah. a great night. It's, it's, it's just what an atmosphere. Everyone just doesn't care about anything and it's just great it's complete hedonism
1: there as well actually food's great
0: man i last time i went to boomtown i worked out i'd spent 250 quid on burritos not (laughs) right oh man it was good though
1: yeah yeah i um yeah i I must admit i was just i'm impressed with boomtown it's just attention to detail yeah yeah you know, and anyone that hasn't been there, they basically, it, it looks like a film set, doesn't it? It's like a, yeah.
0: So I think the whole, the, the whole ethos of Boomtown is it's, it's its own universe. If you imagine like, you know, a Marvel universe or whatever, yeah. Boomtown has its own universe. And, and within that you've got, you've got sort of the old town district, yeah. you've got the mining district, you've got, That's um, you crazy, know, crazy. That's mining weird, stage. weird, man. Weird. Whoa. So weird. Um, yeah, and it's just something for everyone. I think yeah. you, you, you kind of. I don't think anyone can really do the explanation of Boomtown any justice. You no. just go there and lose your mind, basically, yeah. with or without drugs or drink or whatever. I mean, yeah, the don't. first year I went, I had a, a, an abscess in my jawbone, so I was on really heavy medication and writhing in agony. Ooh. But I still went anyway, and still had a great time. Yeah, you know. So yeah.
1: Yeah, well, I hope I get booked for next year. <laughs> yeah, same here.
0: <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's always a tricky one, isn't it, with festival bookings and money and stuff like that, you know? Yeah.
1: But I, I with, with <laughs> ones like that, I think I think there's a little bit of trade-off. I'm happy of, like, you know, obviously it's nice if you earn a few quid, but yeah. having a few tickets and a few of oh, your yeah, friends yeah. can go, for, you know, for, for nothing, that, you know – you can gain a really, really nice experience definitely, from, you know, obviously yeah, it's nice yeah. to get paid. Like, yeah. But, but I mean,
0: even, even so, I mean, I think Boomtown's an exception because, as you just said, you know, and, and, you know, obviously Stuart, who booked us for that stage, yeah. What a lovely guy. What yeah. a great, bizarre little stage. Um, You know, it's just it's it's an insane, <laughs> yeah. It's just an insane concept. Yeah. And, and why not? So that's, that's great to do whether you're paid or not. That's the yeah. kind of thing where I'm like, yeah, I'm up for that. I yeah. don't, I don't even care. Um, but i think people that sort of get booked for not necessarily main stage but one down from main stage mm. in a in a big festival they kind of get stung a lot as well with mm. with basically earning nothing
1: yeah uh, well but- it's it's that it's that, that thing of like hey do you want to play or not like yeah. If, and I struggle don't with someone that. Else I struggle will. because,
0: yeah, but I mean, this brings us onto the whole topic of, you know, oh, it's great exposure. Well, I'm sorry, but I've, I've actually done gigs under the premise of getting great exposure and to all of your listeners, don't do it because every single one, and please tell me if you think I'm wrong or if you've had different, but every single gig or release or remix or Everything in my career where I've gone, where I've been told, oh, it'll be great exposure. And don't get me wrong, I've not done it for the exposure. I've done it because I wanted to. But I can tell you right now, 100% of those jobs, I never got any exposure that meant anything. They never led to future bookings. They never led to anything there's there there is no such thing as exposure
1: it doesn't make any sense i don't think any one gig can make or break anyone so you know i think i think they used to be able to do well they? when there used to be more emphasis on like, like for example i got asked to do a essential mix radio one and right okay and when i did that a huge amount of doors opened yeah i like, bet like that worldwide. was that was
0: you know that, that would have been a door yeah, right open yeah you know yeah.
1: but back then it is you know, I, I was pleased to get asked to do it. And obviously yeah. they had to fill fifty two slots that year. Of course. Yeah. So, you know, I was pleased to get asked. But I mean it, that that opened a few doors. Like yeah, when I, I say a few, quite quite a few. Yeah, yeah. Well, and li- little it things in my career actually I can like, pinpoint like little little game changes for me. Yeah. None of them were like super That like, you know, doing compilations has actually, been good.
0: Essential mix again. Tell me if I'm that's wrong, it but, but it's kind though. of not for free anyway, is it? Because if you're throwing in your own tracks and you're getting some PRS, the PRS on BBC is not bad. PPL. Or PPL. Yeah. Either yeah. one.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's PRS. You can submit yeah. it on either yeah, because yeah, PPL right, actually
0: yeah. covers the radio. Yeah, that's but right. So PRS yeah. will collect yeah. it on your behalf if it's something like Radio 1 yeah. because it covers under the BBC licence, yeah, yeah, I, I think. Guess so, yeah. but, I haven't uh, really sort of. So either one, really. But,
1: yeah, I, uh, I, yeah I, I couldn't tell you who. I used to be able to tell you who was doing the essential mix every week. I couldn't yeah, tell here, you now.
0: I, I don't even know if it's still running, is it? I
1: don't know. I, <laughs> I, I assume it is. It's but... probably people <laughs> listening to this thinking, <laughs> yeah. I haven't done that for 10 years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, and I'm sorry if someone's listening going, I did it last week. Yeah. and I missed my <laughs> show. <Yeah. laughs> but there, uh, there has to be, um, you know, like, you know, just go, go to like the uh, Mousetrap, for example. Yeah. Such a prestigious label. Mm-hmm. You know, I you know, from from where I'm sitting, I would imagine um the the name association alone would open a few doors, certainly in America.
0: I think so. I I, I mean for you know, from my my first release on Mousetrap a couple of years ago, um I think that sort of changed things a bit for me, but at the same time, it's hard to gauge on what had more of an impact because um, like I've, I've, I've touched upon earlier that, that about five years ago, I sort of basically quit the music industry without quitting my Job, if that makes sense. So I was doing the whole sound design thing, and that's something I probably didn't touch on earlier. Was that as well as being a producer and DJ, I I sort of became a sound designer and moved into that field and was running a studio or still running a studio. Um, and and so about five years ago, I thought, you know what, screw the industry. I just everything I I remember uh, struggling to get gigs. I was struggling to get records signed, and it was. I think because the stuff I was doing at that point didn't fit into a particular pigeonhole. Right. Um and it just so happened at that time Electro was going one of two ways. You had an option. You could either do the what is now called EDM apparently, four four distorted kick drum and some sort of shit detuned saw. Just brick um all on repeat. <laughs> yeah, you know the whole <laughs> bing, 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 bing bing all that crap. And I took one listen of that and went, why on earth would I do that? It's like child's music and, and it, it's just copy, paste, copy, paste. Mm. That You know, the reason I like producing is because I like actually learning and playing with stuff and making weird sounds and whatever. And that so that didn't take it in. The alternative option to that was Deep House, which in the UK was just exploding like nothing mm. else. Um and yeah, so my gigs were sort of getting fewer and further between and I, uh, I ended up making one last ditch at attempt at contacting all the promoters I knew thinking, right, I'll just give this a go. I'll send, I mean, we're talking thousands of promoters that I'd built up in a database over time that had booked me before. And I thought, you know what? I'll just send an email to thousands of these promoters and I'll just see what's out there. Um, and of the UK ones, 100% of responses came back saying, sorry, we only do deep house now. No way. And it was at that point where I thought, you know what? Yeah. Fuck this industry. Fuck this. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so I literally, it was at that moment. And that was my life-changing career moment was when I decided, screw the industry. I don't care who's famous. I don't care what you're playing. I don't care what you're doing or who you are or whatever. I'm just going to do my thing. So I I don't think I opened Ableton for about two years for myself anyway, I still obviously did it for the studio. And I thought, well, I'm getting my bread and butter from sound design stuff, so I'm just going to focus on that. Still make a living. Yeah, I can, yeah. Still, I can still survive on that. So I, I, I'm, I, 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 I felt like I was at a point, you know, pretty much age 30. I think I might have just turned 30. And I thought, I'm too old, too ugly to ever get famous. I don't want to be famous for the sake of being famous. I'm not into yeah. tricking people or anything like that. Um, so you either like me or you don't piss off. And and yeah. so I unfollowed everyone on Twitter and Facebook and anyone who was well known other than friends I actually knew, yeah. um, just deleted the whole lot. Um, and yeah, it took about 18 months, I think until I opened, opened Ableton for myself. And that was because I was playing with a Moog synth, doing some preset design for one of their new synths, which is now the sub 37. Right. And, um, ended up making this whatever noise it was and just went oh i like that noise and then played a, a bit of a chord and thought oh i like the sound of that and then ended up playing another chord and went holy shit this is something yeah. and and just developed that and thought oh fuck it i'm going to i'm going to make a track and see what happens so i made this track and thought to myself nothing of it really and then ended up making another one and another one and i thought this is this is all right. This ended up showing my mate, Sonny Wharton, who you've had as a guest here. Yeah. Um Love Sonny. Yeah. Big shout out to Sonny. Um, ended up showing one of my tracks to him and he was like, holy shit, this is really good. Like th- this is great for what's happening today. And I was like, oh, is it? I, I didn't <laughs> right, know. Yeah. I didn't have a clue. And he was like, yeah, I kind of feel like this is where everyone's going to be heading soon. So I was like, well, whatever. Do you want it? Um, So he was like, hell yeah. So, um, I did, I think, three or four tracks and he snapped them up. And then it came to the fifth track and he went, no. And I was like, all right, what's up with it? And he said, it was just too big. Like, I think you need to go to a bigger label than us. You know, we can't we can't right. handle something this big. And he was sort of saying, you know, we're only a small label and I think you deserve you more than that. that. Yeah, so you, I was yeah. like, well, yeah. if you're sure. But, but I really don't want to go chasing record labels. So... What, was he um, right? So, well, he ended up saying, "Well, why don't you try Mousetrap?" You know, right? And uh, and because I've known Joel Deadmouse for many years, I thought, "Yeah, well, I'll give it a go. Why Something not?" Um, so yeah, sent it and it got signed, and that was sort
1: of the turning point. So I mean, that's a good shout for Sunny. A lot of people oh, would, yeah. a lot of people wouldn't take that stance, you and, know. And
0: and I tell you what, Sunny and Wartime Records in general have have done that for a lot of people. Yeah. They've really been a huge platform and and that's why I'll always go back to Waltone as well. Yeah, a lot of
1: people have you know, I work with, as you know, with Ben Coda and mm. Ben, Ben, Ben and Sonny have worked together. Um, you know, we had Will Clark do a um interview for the show. I will with yeah, Ben yeah. and um he started out there as well. Yeah. That's I mean, right, there's yeah. lots of people that I mean, Sonny's Sonny's one of these people, they just As a person, he's faultless. He's such a lovely guy, but he's got a real—he's got a good ear for music across the board, not not just one style. He's got a good good taste in music, I believe.
0: Yeah, yeah, and he's 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 got this ability to be to sort of be able to work out what's going to work well in the future as well. So yeah. I think a lot of a lot of the Wartone releases have a pretty long shelf life compared to yeah. other labels as well. Yeah. And I think that's kind of fundamental to it being a good record label. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially in this day and age. Well, you've more, got, so, you've more got something coming ever. up, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. So I've got another single coming out on Wartone uh, 11th of November, okay. 10th of November. What's the name uh, It's so a few weeks time. So it's track called Traction. Okay. Um, yeah, which I think is probably kind of the... the peak culmination of what I've kind of just been talking about with these sounds that I've been slowly developing now. And I'm now, now at a point where I'm like, well, I guess this is my thing now. And <laughs> right, and, right. Uh, and I guess it's it's bound to <laughs> Yeah, I think so. And then I think, has it really taken me 20 years to get my thing? And 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 it has, you yeah. know. Um so, yeah, so it's a case of sort of evolving that now. And um, and again, Sonny's been great for that because I've been, uh, you know, between Sonny and Mousetrap as well, I'll, I'll give them credit that 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 they don't want to hear just the same old thing. Right. You know, they, they they obviously have a sound as a label, but they don't have a genre because, you know, you've got artists on Mousetrap like Draft who, I mean, he's putting out his BPMs range from 70 to 140-ish Anything in between, it could be house, could be techno, could be breaks, could be ambient, could be whatever, and and his EP will just cover the whole lot. Um, then you've got um, people like Rinsen who just put out an EP, and and his whole EP on Mousetrap that came out, I think, two weeks ago. Really nice guy. Um, he uh, his EP is kind of based on he had an idea, or it was kind of like a dream vision of of being in an anime cartoon and entering a Japanese territory and he developed this whole EP around the 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 process of entering that territory and it's it's <laughs> okay. become this whole enveloping okay. wow. story sort of thing. Um but on top of that it's just great music. You know yeah. so if you don't know the story it doesn't matter because it's it's cool tracks. But well, I
1: would imagine the running theme with Mousetrap is just um quality recordings because obviously Joel's background in sound design and stuff. I, I guess that yeah, there, there must I, be a set standard of what must be, deli- what is expected from the artists recording for
2: label.
0: I, th- I labels. think so. But I think, I think it's probably more than that. I think they just want something that's got real artistic substance. Yeah. A- and it's kind of odd because the music that comes out, I think if you're a, a, a basic consumer of dance music, you'd, you'd think of Mousetrap as being not just a cool dance label. They put out big hits or whatever. And, and actually they they seem so much more like that from the inside um
1: right.
0: you know they they they're a real sort of close family all the artists sort of speak right. and share and collaborate and, do, and and we all sort of really push to try new things
1: do they have so, an office here in the uk uh
0: no they don't not well i think they have what they call a base right. but i don't think they have a sort of okay. team of staff or anything right, okay. not that i'm aware of anyway right. Right. yeah if they have, I haven't been invited, right?
1: <laughs> so, um, <laughs> with, with regards to mousetrap, so mm. you, you, you've got—is um, it is it's is lined up for next year?
0: Yeah, yeah. Or, so, or is it is um, it
1: ultimately driving towards an album? Is, is that, what's the plan? Good question. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I genuinely, is, is there I don't. A plan? <laughs> know. I, I mean,
0: at the moment, so I was sort of talking off the podcast that that I'm I'm playing with ideas at the moment of. Um, I, I'm I'm working on an EP for Outram. I mean, that's that's public knowledge. Um, but I'm also focusing more on a few singles before that, and and I, I kind of want to get it right, really. Mm. Um, and yeah, I guess the ultimate goal is really a a, a full album. Have you written um, an
1: album before?
0: Yeah, but it was terrible. Oh, it was really <laughs> bad, man. No,
1: seriously, how how was it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I, one
0: of my biggest musical regrets, I think, is really? that album. Yeah,
1: because uh, is that just a change? Of- well,
0: I was young, and <laughs> and uh, you know, it was when my DJing thing was taking off, and I kind of felt like I knew where I was, and yeah, and I felt safe enough to go. Yeah, I think now's the time for an album, and I don't think I really yeah I didn't I, well I obviously yeah. didn't it's because like, looking back at it I just cringe now you know like even
1: posing to the wrong girl yeah yeah I think
0: yeah I, I think I uh, know I think the yeah, album's worse
3: <laughs> um,
0: yeah I just um, I don't think I was even that proud of it at the time and I don't think I stopped to think about it right. and I think that was the problem was I thought oh yeah next step equals album therefore make album release album right. everything's going to be great and I don't I don't think I actually stopped to think. Well, what kind of album should I do, and how is it going to work, and what's the process behind it? And I think an album deserves more than just putting twelve tracks together and throwing it out. So, uh,
1: just uh, sorry to interrupt. Mm. Did, did you have ma- management at the time? How did how did that work with regards to? Because I've I've done three albums, and I'm, right. I you know I am proud of all the albums mm. I've written, but I think that that's partly due to having. People around me at the time yeah, to kind really of ground me as into, yeah. you know, and, and sitting there and having playbacks when I'm sitting there with a, a few different people yeah, playing yeah. my album yeah. and just, and then uh, like, even as I'm playing it to people going, this is shit. Why the fuck I put this on the album? And and, and yeah. that realisation yeah. of seeing other people's facial experience <laughs> <laughs> expressions when yeah. I'm playing them new music. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or, well, I, the reason yeah, I, I get, what, I get that, what you're that, saying, I yeah, get what you're
0: know. saying, actually, because, yeah, quite often I'll, I'll, if I write a new track or whatever, I'll play it in front of a friend and sort of just gauge, because I find myself, sometimes I can play my own track and go, this is great, I'm loving the groove on this, and then I'll show a friend, and even though I'm not even looking at his face, the fact that I'm aware I'm showing yeah. someone, then makes me go, this is boring, you oh, this bit it. needs yeah. to change, well, he must be getting really bored, you know, yeah. Um would that that, so that you, that's know, something you listen that I, yeah. to your
1: own music through somebody else's? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's like watching, you know, it, one of your favorite comedians with a new girlfriend or whatever, and you're like, yeah. Does she like it? Does she? Is yeah. she into it? Yeah. And then you find yourself not enjoying it either because mm. even though she might be enjoying it, unless she's showing you the signs of enjoying yeah. it, you then go, Oh, maybe it's not yeah. so good. Well, um, this is so. Yeah, I never had. I never had. I mean, I was briefly managed at the point of being resident for ministry space and all of that, um, I was briefly managed at that point. Um, it kind of ended sourly in the end, I suppose, although I still speak to the guy. Okay. Um, so it could have been worse, but it just, it, it didn't unfold the way I wanted it to unfold. Right. And a lot of political things happened at the time that I just kind of felt like, yeah, you know what? I'm not getting what I, should be getting from this. Right. Whether that was true or not, I don't know and I, I and I hold my hands up to I was young and fresh and yeah. whatever and probably expecting more than I actually should have been expecting.
1: Listen, that's the sort of common thing is that um when you work with new artists their, their, their expectations are a lot higher. When, when oh, you've been you. around the block yeah. a few times, you yeah. have you, you lower your expectations because yeah. you know how things work. You know
0: I, had, I had a guy threaten to sue me once. Uh, I won't mention his name for obvious reasons because he might <laughs> sue me. But I signed him to my label, uh, which is no longer running, and um, signed the track. The track came out. Everything was fine. It was mediocre to average sales, you know, as you'd expect pennies.
3: Yeah.
0: And uh, about a year later, he got in touch with me going, uh, basically basically, he was threatening legal action. And for I was what? like, for what? And uh, and he accused me of hiding royalties from him. And I was like, right, okay, well, can I, can, I can show you <laughs> yeah. everything. You know, the, I've given you the statements every six months, so... I don't even see what I'm hiding. What were you expecting? Basically, it turned out that that track that got signed, he had somehow managed to get it featured on the front page of SoundCloud, which at okay. the time had got him about half a million plays.
1: Right. Okay.
0: And he thought that that would relate directly to sales. And I was like, mate, that doesn't, no. that, like genuinely. And I, should, I then thought, oh shit, have I missed a trick here? You yeah, know? Yeah, so yeah. I then trawled back through all the distributor statements meant piss all didn't mean you know yeah sure you like it on soundcloud it doesn't mean you're then gonna go oh i'll jump on whatever beatport and buy it um and then he started going on about the fact that uh you know this was one of his first ever singles and therefore he should have been supporting me on gigs and i thought what? Right. Where'd you get that from? And he was like, "Well, isn't that what big artists do?" And I'm like, "Mate, I'm not that big. Like, I don't have my own tours to choose my yeah. lineup and support, whatever." Like, have you mistaken me for someone else? You know, um, I always. But he people. genuinely, and I felt sorry for him at that point because I was like, "Shit, you've got into this industry thinking that you're going to release what was your first single, and all of a sudden you're going to be supporting big names on tour mm. and." you're going to get a front page feature on SoundCloud and that's going to make you millions of pounds or whatever.
3: Delusional.
1: Yeah.
0: It was, uh, it was quite a strange experience.
1: Mm. Well, yeah. Yeah. People have a, people have very warped views of how they think it should be. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And in fact, I don't know if we were recording at the time, but you mentioned the sort of the, the, the huge gap in terms of finances, especially of of the top guys to the guys like us. You know the 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 gap in between is just astronomical, yeah. and, and there's nothing filling it as far as we can see. No, no, you know? yeah, yeah, you're either a a struggling lot, DJ, you're yeah, a multi-millionaire. Yeah, that's it. And I think a lot of people don't quite realise that. I think a lot of people, you know, they see the guys at the top, they see the David Getters and the Dead Mouses mm. and the whoever else is. And and they see that oh well that must be what it's like to be a DJ and therefore oh well if I could just get a fraction of that then I'd be happy well I'm sorry but we're all thinking that you know the ninety nine point nine percent of us are thinking I'd like a fraction of that you know
1: Well, you meet people I think this is the funniest when when you know I've got I've got I've made, lots of friends that make music and they say things like look if I could just do one thousand pound a gig mm. month. Um, I'll yeah, be happy yeah, with yeah. that one. Yeah. And you think, do you know what? If you can just get one thousand pound a month, you can get four. You can get five. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. And then if you, you can be get like, to the
0: point of yeah. charging a thousand pound a gig, yeah. and get them regular enough that yeah. someone will book you every month,
1: and it's that saying you can, of like, you oh, oh if I just going. got one that was for mm. two thousand pound a month. You like, do you know what? If you were getting two thousand pound a month <laughs> yeah. on one gig, there'd be a ton of five hundreds. There would be a ton of 1000 yeah, thousands. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, getting yourself up to there, up to that point on a regular basis, that's the, that's the, the holy grail yeah. really. Isn't and there's, it? and there's no set route either, because I mean, using that math,
0: let's say a thousand pound a month is what you are aiming for. So you've got one option of getting one gig a month at a thousand pound a gig. Well, that's all lovely, but that's going to stay a dream. So you could go, all right, well, what if I had one gig every week for 250 quid or maybe two gigs a week for 125 quid a gig? And but then you start to go, but then you're lowering everything so much it that then you can't like that, get the step up. No, no exactly. It, it doesn't so like you you could, for example, do eight gigs a month at £125 a, a gig or whatever. But that doesn't mean, you, you may well just be stuck yeah. in that then because I, I have been there at some point where I was probably making, say, £150, £200 a gig and gigging fairly regularly. But then to try and break that, 250 mark and go up to 500 was a nightmare and yeah. and so then you end up going all right well I'll do less gigs but charge a higher price and make myself appear more elusive mm. or whatever um and then you find everyone going no no, no thanks and you just think oh
3: fuck
0: it's <laughs> it, it's, it's,
1: a, it's it, a funny concept because I my my money hasn't really changed much because I I I if I lowered my fees I wouldn't get more gigs because at the end of the end of the day, the people that want to book me want to book me for for how much I charge. That's it. Yeah. Um, Whereas if I said, oh, I'll work for less. they would be like, sweet. Well, they they would still book you anyway. Yeah. We'll still book you once a year. And There's going to be promoters that aren't interested in my sound whatsoever. They're not going to go, oh, well, we'll book you because you're a bit shit. They just don't want No, exactly. It's got nothing to do with price. Uh, And I think you've just hit the nail on the head there is, you know,
0: Nobody is booking a particular DJ because they're cheap. No. You know, it's as simple as that. And it doesn't matter whether you're talking to local promoters or national promoters. You know, it doesn't matter whether it's Oasis Club down the road or Fabric. You know, at the end of the day, they're not trying to just get the cheapest deal. Clearly, they have a budget. Clearly, they're going to try and stay within that budget and get what they can.
1: Yes, yeah, so but they distribute. But they're it.
0: not gonna, you know, they're not gonna go. Oh well, we'll have you three times a year now because you've lowered your price. No, you know that's not how it works. No, they book you all. because you're you, and because you come with a package. Yeah.
1: Bums on seats, really. Exactly, how many people? Exactly. You know, you're either yeah, worth it. Yeah. People coming in, and if 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 you make money, they will book you again. Yes, yeah. and that's
0: and that's what put me off DJing a lot. Was mm. was. You know, the fact that business, well, I hate to say it, but yeah, the business side of it, the capitalism side of it Mm. is not something I enjoy being a part of, you know, I still struggle today to charge clients when I'm engineering and whatever. I really, I really struggle with that. Why is Uh, it? I'm, I'm a communist at heart, (laughs) um, which doesn't help. um, And I've always sort of had a viewpoint of, well, I started somewhere and these you guys, help. I'm helping engineer or whatever, are uh, in that position I was once in, and I right. think, well, I don't want to overcharge them, and you know, and they got families to feed, and I forget actually I got a roof over and my you, head, yeah, I, you yeah, know, yeah, you, and right. it's every yeah. now and then I sort of, I, 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 I sort of quote someone a price, and I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, you know, they accept it straight away, and I'm just, yeah. oh Jesus, I should have actually, yeah, thought about this, yeah, um, so I think I'm probably my own worst enemy when it comes to stuff like that.
1: Do you know Klaus Hill? Klaus you know, heavyweight Hill. I, I, yeah, like, yeah, I know he the does name. Heavyweight audio. He's um, mm. he's he's got a similar sort of thing. Is that he's he's one of these people of like he'd prefer to just be working and doing stuff because yeah, yeah, yeah. he loves making music, he loves engineering. Yeah. He's yeah. Uh, he's very talented, mm. and you know, he's if I send him a track, and I'd be like after oh, this track, and he goes, "I'll oh, send it over," because I reckon I could. And it, it just gets excited about yeah, what yeah, he does. Yeah. He still, he's you know after. Twenty years of engineering. He's still someone that absolutely loves yeah, the yeah. Sonics. Yeah, I mean, I've
0: done I've done a fair amount of ghost production in my time, and uh, people see that as a sore point.
1: I think I, I, I think know I, you know, know people, people, you that.
0: well, people. Um, um, okay,
1: I'm, <laughs> so I'm going to say I'm a fence here on this because here I've go. got because <laughs> right. I I write my own material. Yeah, so yeah. and
0: you know, um, so uh, there are a few points I have to sort of point out first. So. The, the first thing is a lot of people go, oh, don't you feel like you're just selling out if you're ghost producing? Well, I'm sorry, but if you work in an office, you're selling out because I'm pretty, well, sure, well, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure your dream isn't to sit in an office nine to five, Monday to Friday, you know, no matter what office it is. Mm. I'm pretty sure that's not your life goal. Um, whereas my life goal was always to just nerd out with computers and music and make weird noises. well, if that's selling out, getting paid to do that, then I don't know, you know, to me, that's the opposite of selling out. I'm doing something I love. I
1: don't think there's there's an argument from your point of view, because you're absolutely right. I don't Mm. think there's any argument of like, if someone offers you some money to to make some sounds and Mm. produce a, a track, them i i of course i i understand your your point of view completely mm. what i don't understand where where mm. me i struggle with this is that somebody can go i can stand by a piece of music and go i made that when they didn't that's yeah. where okay. i struggle with it yeah
0: and and actually i don't think i've ever had a ghost production client that, that has ever done that right. so so what's happened how's it work so but, it's usually um well actually no there probably have been but i haven't spoken to those "Quote unquote" artists. I've spoken to the management, so right. actually, uh, okay. maybe it's just a different mentality they right. take to me. Right. So, so maybe I have done that unknowingly, um, but also for me, I don't follow that side of it anyway. Because, so for example, I'll give you an example. Last year, I had a, a management guy uh, in Asia somewhere said he had three or four artists. Uh, they were just learning the craft and. They're clearly, I would say, stage performers, basically. So they were being managed to do all of that, but they wanted to start releasing music because that's what promoters follow. So they need to have a catalogue to get everything as a catalyst to start moving. So the plan was I would basically produce four or five tracks for each of these artists so that they could stagger the releases out while they learn what they're actually doing. Right. And it was, it, so it was a bit of an odd thing, I suppose. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, so I suppose, in a sense, maybe those artists did go out there claiming I've done this or whatever. But yeah. I, but I don't know because, like I say, I only ever dealt with the management. And in all honesty, once I've done the track and have my money, I don't give a shit what happens to right. it. You know, yeah, but and I mean, could be from a, your point a of view, like, one, number yeah. one hit for all I care. I don't. I just don't
1: care. No, from your you know. point of view, I completely yeah. understand that. What I, the, what I struggle with is that that like is their the, mentality. Do the you make a piece of music? Mm. I give you some money. Mm. You you give me that piece of music and I say, I made that And because you've made a financial transaction that you, you have to go, you know, do you know what I mean? So it's, I mean, it's an ethics. There's a, a moral to it. Like, you know, certainly
0: from their behalf. I think it's it's fake. It's it's fake. I think the word, you you know, you're pretending to be something you're not. Isn't that the world we live in now? You know, look at Britney Spears, right? Mm. Uh, She doesn't write anything. She doesn't even sing anything at gigs. So she literally is a paid face and people will pay a hundred pounds a ticket to go and watch her in yeah. Wembley Stadium or whatever. They'll pay £100 a hundred a, pound a head to go and watch this girl pretend to sing a song that she never sang and didn't right, write and yeah. wasn't involved in, and there was nothing to do with it. That's that's brand. modern day yeah. society. She's a brand. You know? brand. Yeah, but 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 actually, you know, as much as I bitch and moan about the dance music industry, that's always been the case in every yeah, other industry. Yeah. It's just slowly infiltrated into ours. Yeah. You know, if you look at the the whole celebrityism of things like Swedish House Mafia and whatever, you know, the reason I stopped going to WMC in Miami or stopped even wanting to go was. Because people like Swedish House Mafia and stuff were there. And back in the day, you could go to Miami for a week, book some scuzzy hotel. You'd bump Mm. into Pete Tong stumbling across the street at three o'clock in the morning, and a Mercedes, and away we go. Um, You go there now... They're all chauffeur driven with three hundred bodyguards around them, and it's this whole well, it's like celebrity stage like, now. Yeah, it's not yeah. even.
1: It doesn't feel like a music conference no. anymore. No, well, it's not anymore, no. really, is it? You know, yeah.
0: I think there is one on, but it's more coincidental than yeah. anything. Yeah, I've not been um, for a while. So yeah, so I think when it comes to the whole ghost production thing, I think um, for me it's. Uh, I kind of, maybe I secretly hope that they have some artistic talent in there somewhere and I'm just giving them a little help I'm to up. to do that. Um, but I, in, in all honesty, I kind of don't care what they do with it because right. because I had my fun and I'm doing it for me. And you and, and I, and I yeah. like the challenge. Yeah. I like I like being asked, can you do a dubstep track or a trap track yeah. or a garage track or something that I, I have nothing to do with in terms of as right. an artist – I, you know, I, I, I don't know what's cool and what's not cool. And they'll give me a few reference tracks of, right. of what is Make cool. Like and I'll be like, Oh, I love that bass wobble. Yeah. So whatever. you see it and more as a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. It's than, like a sound know. design challenge oh, okay. for me.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I got, I, I don't see any issue from your end at all. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> so, um, I mean, we've, um, uh, let's touch on it a little bit is that we so, if people, if people do want to hire you, <laughs> <laughs> um, how do they get, get in touch with you? Is this something – because you've got your website, yeah, which is all so your, caneaudio.com is basically
0: where everything is. Uh, I don't keep it up to date very often, but there's right. an email address there that comes through to me, so um, – There's a picture
1: studio on there. And, yeah, there's yeah, there's a few pictures. It's yeah. a, so yeah. a so nice-looking looking studio cheers yeah That's yeah. yeah, uh, lovely
0: I you built it myself um yeah so uh, that took a while it still hasn't i haven't even finished it yet right um and i probably never will because i'm now looking at moving it but <laughs> really yeah so i i um, i moved into this industrial estate thinking right this is what i want right. and uh i gutted the unit out and then rebuilt all the internal walls and yeah. sort of built a recording room within booth a room and yeah, yeah yeah did everything and and spent oh man too much time and money putting it all together right and then it kind of got to a point where acoustically it's it's immaculate in there um and i still haven't plastered the walls or whatever at that point and i was just like ah oh, fuck it i'll just yeah i'll just make a track while i'm here you know and yeah. and then i never got around to doing the rest right so, um and it's been like that for a couple of years now um so yeah so acoustically it's sound but um visually when you're in there it's not quite right. as good as it should Having be quite <laughs> yeah there's still no plaster on the walls it's still just raw plasterboard but um yeah, so canaudio.com is, is the website right, that, that anyone would.
1: So go there to. they can so they can hire you as an engineer,
0: hire you as all
1: the Yeah, kind of what services services yeah, are you providing. A,
0: a jack of all trades, I suppose. Um I, I think most of my key skills are in sound design. Right. But I also have a passion for production in general. So I so I think yeah. it kind of it crosses things. So I uh, I mean, you know, so I'll do mix downs, I'll do masters, and I can do things like master for iTunes and stuff like right. that. So so that's kind of, a, a, you know, anyone wanting sort of a, a mix down, it's quite an easy thing right. to to organize and, and price up and whatever. But I probably spend most of my time doing more sound design based things. Like presets um, and stuff. Yeah, so I do a lot of presets for companies from Moog to F-Expansion to Native Instruments, you name it, basically. Um, uh, That takes up a lot of my time. At the moment, I'm actually – I've just spent the last probably six months doing – a score and sound effects design for a new virtual reality computer game. Oh, cool! Uh, in fact, you're hearing that here first because my NDA just expired, so I can talk about it. Right? There. Okay. Uh, it's called Shadow Core. Is the okay. the company? Do you know
1: the name of the game?
0: They're only a small independent right. uh, thing, and it's it's not you know it's not like it's PlayStation Four type thing. It's VR right. headset, so the Oculus Rift and there is another one that it works on as well, right, okay. um, but uh, yeah, the game is uh, based on Ghost in the Shell. Um, yeah, and it's basically a walk around and shoot them up type sci-fi thing. Um, yeah, Tomb so Raider to, in
1: space. <laughs> yeah, so I've
0: had to I've had to design all the little gunshot noises Brilliant. and loading cartridge sounds and know, yeah, everything from all the sort of Foley sounds to the atmosphere sounds to the music yep. and scoring that happens. And yeah, it's been wicked. I've yeah. loved it. It's been such a refreshing change where you have like a really specific brief and it's kind of weird where they go, right. We're, we're thinking we want an EMP cannon. So I'm like, right. Okay. What would that sound like? And then you start sort of watching films, paying attention to right. what, what would an EMP sound like and because wow. really i mean in reality an emp wouldn't have a sound it's an electromagnetic right, yeah. so so the reality versus the sci-fi much like you know we all watch star wars star trek whatever yeah. sci-fi and we see guns shooting in space and we can hear the pew, pew, pew. well yeah. there's no sound in space you know ships exploding in space have no sound right you know, but we hear it on a film because that's what we're used to seeing so uh so someone somewhere has to go well what would that sound like you know yeah. um so yeah, so I get to nerd out over things like EMP cannons and <laughs> the good well, thing is, You know, is
1: that they go, well, it won't sound like it. They go, yes, it does. Well, just, <laughs> yes, just, but this this, this argue. is the weird thing. <laughs> sometimes, arguing, sometimes, sometimes they know. will. Yeah, sometimes
0: <laughs> they will come back and go, yeah, no, we don't think that's right. And I'm like, well, what should it be like? Yeah, like well, do you I know? don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so you end up then going, well, okay, I'll try this. You know, and
1: yeah, it's a complete experiment, that's but it, but it's good fun. Really good fun. Funny enough, you're um, not um, the only. Ironically, you're not the only Dom I know that does that. Oh, really? Um, do you know Dom Smart, Neurodriver? I know again by name. Yeah. I've known
0: for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, he
1: um he does. He he's just finishing a um a contract at the moment. He does exactly the same. Right. Okay. Uh, with all the sounds, oh, um, and he has the trigger points that he was yeah, showing me yeah. when he's when he was doing it and um, it was bizarre when you just said that because I was thinking you're not just the only producer <laughs> yeah. you're not the only Dom I yeah. know <laughs> it? that is weird Yeah, but, um, yeah he loves it as well it's um, great I just find it
0: so refreshing to sort of I think you're working in a different time dimension. Right. And that sounds probably a bit more hippie than I I want it to. But in terms of when you're working on a track, you're working on five, six, seven, eight, nine minutes in length of of something. And and it has a start, a middle, and an end. Yeah,
1: has a story to it. Yeah.
0: And when you're working on game sound design, you're working on individual micro sounds. And you kind of don't really know how it's going to come together at the end, you know. Yeah. so obviously it can be quite stressful at times when you're working out you know you you might spend a, a, an entire day working out what an empty shell falling on the floor will sound like and you, then you're sort of covering well what will it sound like in a hall what will it yeah, sound like on yeah. concrete what will it sound like and you so you're putting all these sounds together only to then eventually get given a visual of what the gun looks like, right. and the shell turns out to be a tiny little thing, and you've been as- assuming it was a big yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, kilo yeah. weight of metal, right. and it turns out it's a couple of grams of flimsy plastic, and you're like, ah, oh, shit, okay, Put that's just up. completely funny. <laughs> <me."> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, yeah, so this must be nice.
1: Must be nice experience. Um, not I, you know, I've not I've done lots of. Paid work, but no, nothing like that. It must be nice to sort of sit there and actually put your head in a completely different design exactly, space. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and I guess the the rewarding bit is you're kind of you're doing half a job blind because you're only doing the sound to something that's visual and right. it's visual based. Yeah. So it, it's nice to kind of just focus on the sound. It's like being blindfolded. And then when you get it, get the finished product back, and you look at the drafts, and you're like oh, wow, that's that's what I've just done, you know, yeah. and it kind of – it all suddenly starts to make sense and it all comes together. It's, uh, it's quite a rewarding experience once you start seeing it in action.
1: Right, right. So you've been – I mean, so that's been the – it's been the last six months you've been working on.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much been the staple of the last six months. I mean, obviously, I've still been doing my own music right. and doing stuff for Mousetrap and Wartone and whatever
1: and, yeah. So you're going to – where are you going to move to studio? You? you got any ideas? Uh, I'm looking at Manchester. Really
0: up north. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's an interesting move. Yeah, it's 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 the English Cardiff for me,
1: right? Okay, um,
0: Cardiff I've always seen as uh, it's a great city. I love it through and through, but it's just a bit small. Right, okay. That's the only thing that that kind of grates me about Cardiff is it's a bit too small to really sort of be a proper city.
1: I used to play um, there regularly at, um, at Sumo, which was at uh, the club Iferback. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The club Iferback. I know, yeah. yeah. I used to play there. Yeah, it's yeah. a
0: good little club, that. I say little, yeah. it's about four floors. Yeah, it's good. It? Yeah,
1: yeah. 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 Had some really good nights in there. Yeah, that's a good club. Yeah.
0: Um, that's under threat of closure at the moment. Oh, really? Yeah. That's but, a shame. Um, well, apparently the, the council are looking at, uh, much like with the ministry thing, where the council are looking at converting the building next to it to luxurious flats. Oh, right. Um uh, I, I think they might have pulled out of that deal now, though. Right, okay. I think
1: so. Well, that would be a shame. I mean, that's got it would a be a lot I mean, of that, that's, history. That's, there.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's probably one of the oldest yeah. clubs in Cardiff, really.
1: They um, used to have some. Fan- I remember seeing it reading a poster down. It was a night called Kipper K- K- Bang. Yang- G- Kip- Bang. Right. Right. Okay. And, and the tagline was like, we're gonna book some big guests The new brackets is one day. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just the locals yeah. and in right. brackets, you know, like with the a labor it yeah, one yeah. day.
0: I remember there was a, a big poster going around Bristol one time. I forget what night it was for. I should probably remember, but um it, it I'm pretty sure it was somewhere at Lakota or something like that. And, and then at the time it was all these Judge Jules, Tall Paul huge names yeah. big you know a1 posters um in the luminous pink as they did and uh and then at the bottom it would just say we'll not be playing at this event <laughs> it'll be residents only <laughs> but yeah <laughs> bastards yeah yeah it's funny how
1: I'm saying that those you know the residents are normally ones ones that are smashing oh it. yeah you know, they know yeah, the club they know yeah. the crowd they know the sound system yeah yeah um yeah you know, I mean, look
0: at Eats Everything. Yeah, uh, he, yeah. he was resident in Bristol when I was going clubbing. In fact, yeah. he was him and Amos's flatmate were I think they were flatmates anyway, but they were best buddies. Okay. Him and Amos were were playing again, I can't remember. They they set up the night bubblegum and right. they um they ran another night as well and they did stuff at The Rock as well. Yeah. And they were they were the resident warm ups basically for the big acts. Um and that's obviously how they learnt their craft, yeah, he, and I you mean, know, exactly. and he's huge Absolutely.
1: now, isn't he? Huge, yeah, huge, yeah. and um, yeah, a quality as well. I actually like his music. If I'm totally honest, I've not heard that much. Oh, really? No, I I, I've it out.
0: seen, I've seen bits on Facebook, like bits of video and whatever, lots but, of
1: influences from an opinion all over the place. Okay. I, I just think I, I thought it was a bit gutsy, and I like it. Yeah, yeah I yeah. particularly like his yeah. stuff. Funny you mention him. Yeah. Well, um, I think because we are running up to an hour and a half. Oh, are we? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, is there anything that we haven't discussed and um, that you need to give a shout? I mean, we've discussed it. If anyone was so, just, just to recap, like if anyone is interested in because you obviously you're a very versatile producer DJ. Um, if anyone's interested in getting in touch for you know various different things, mm. is it through the, through the website?
0: yeah i'd say so the best place is cane audio there's like i say there's an email address on there right um and that comes straight through to me so you know ask me anything whatever um i'm always open to jobs i and this is the weird thing is i've never really sort of advertised i've never really advertised what i do i don't even know what i do you know right. it, it, i'm still learning do you know
1: what i mean but if it's music place give you a shout yeah
0: <laughs> essentially um But, yeah, I kind of – I don't really have one thing that I'll only do, and and nor do I want to, to be honest. I wouldn't want to spend every day, day in, day out, mixing or mastering or – Doing anything in particular, you know, I, I'd i rather just have a bit of a varied job. To be honest, that's the that's the beauty of being self-employed. I think right. is the fact that you can pick and choose. So yeah, well, you know, that's the joy of self-employment, isn't yeah, it? You know, yeah, don't yeah. really have and, a boss. Yeah, and and also you can kind of choose your budget. So if something sounds interesting and yeah. someone can't afford something, then I'm more meet, than willing yeah. to sort of try and fit that in or whatever. Yeah, M- you know? making
1: a decision based on creativity rather yeah. than you yeah. Know, financial rewards exactly yeah. they don't normally go together do they <laughs> no not often not often no <laughs> well, look thank you so much for coming down can um, before we wrap up mm. um can i get some shouts off you this is don kane you're listening to lowering the tone la la la
0: yeah of course yeah <clears throat> <clears throat> <laughs> this is dom kane you're listening to lowering the tone with meet katie and ben coda
1: Well, and then we do one separately as well. So one with Meek Kate, one with Ben Okay. Because we don't do every show together. Right.
0: I'm Dom Kane and this is Lowering the Tone with Meet Katie. I'm Dom Kane. This is Lowering the Tone with Ben Coda. Awesome. Thanks, dude. All right, no problems. information on this podcast, go to loweringthetone.london.